The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But when a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And went to, he went to him and bandaged, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to, uh, to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Excellent. Are you guys staying cool? Yeah, but I'm kind of cold. A little cold? Yeah, it's air conditioned in here. It's kind of nice. I like it. It's a good change. So, did you guys hear the story that we just read? We're going to review it a little bit, okay? But I need some actors. Who wants to be an actor today? Michael wants to be an actor. Can anybody else help me act? I'll tell you what to do. No? Uh, Mr. Vranich, would you like to be an actor? Yes. Yes, you'd like to be an actor. All right. And Deanna, would you like to be an actor? No? Okay. I'll be, I'll be another actor. And I think we'll make all of you actors by default. So, Michael and Mr. Vranich, I need you to stand by the piano. All right. I'm going to play two parts, Okay. Can everybody look at my nose? I'm going to play two parts in this story, okay? So I'll let you know what's going to happen. Right now, you guys are all, we're going to use our imaginations, okay? So pretend like you're all walking to another town. Claire got it. Can everybody get on their feet? Can everybody get on their feet? Stand up. Here we go. 
So pretend you're walking to another town. Kind of tired. And all of a sudden, someone jumps out and beats you all up. Boom, 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 boom. And leaves you for half dead. So now lay on the ground and act like you're really hurt. Yep. Timothy got it. Very good. Very good. How do you feel right now since I just beat you up? How do you feel? Sad. Sad, right? Anybody else? Just kind of meh. You probably feel sad. You're probably a little bit scared. Do you hope somebody helps you? I hope somebody helps you. All right, we're going to see if anybody helps. Uh, first, a priest. I believe first was a priest. First, a priest came by. Michael, you're going to be the priest. Comes on by, and all of a sudden, he sees the people that are beat up. And what does this priest do? He walks by on the other side of the road. Whoop, try not to touch anyone. Don't want to get that. There you go. And then, a Levite comes by. And what's the Levite do? He walks by on the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan comes up. Now I'm playing the Samaritan. Now he's not the same faith as you are, but he saw who you are. And he saw what happened. And he's like, oh, you guys need help. So he stepped down to every one of you and helped wash you up. Wash, 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 wash. And he bandaged all your scrapes and bruises. Here's a band-aid for you and for you and for you. Here's a band-aid. There you go. Need a band-aid over there? Here's a band-aid. There you go. And they put you all on the same animal, except for I don't know of an animal that's going to hold all of us, so I'm just going to put you all in the same car. And took you to the nearest place that could take care of you for a longer period of time. Now, Everybody can sit back down and come over here with us. Now, we're going to take a vote, okay? Who thinks that Michael did the best thing, did what Jesus should do? Okay? Who thinks Mr. Vranich did the best thing, did what Jesus should do? Who thinks I did the best thing, did what Jesus should do? All right, good. Now, the priest, is a priest a good person? Typically, yes, right? And a Levite, in case you don't know who that is, also a good person. They're like pastors. <laughs> the Samaritan isn't. Jesus told this story to tell us how we should act. So, I want to ask you. Can everybody look at my nose? Very good. How should we act towards people in need? How should we act if someone needs help? You know it, don't you? Yep. Just a little shy today. Do you know how we should act, Michael? We should help them. <laughs> Very good. What if we're scared? Should help them. Very good. Sometimes we can ask other people to help, just kind of like the Samaritan did. We can ask our parents for help, too. What should we do if we don't like that person very much? Don't know? What do you think, Lorenzo? Should we help people even if we don't like them? Yep. Very good. Very good. 
What if they're different from us? What if they're different from us? Do we still help them? Yeah, okay. Is there any reason not to help somebody? No? By and large, I think you're right. Now, since you're still children, always listen to your parents, no matter what. But, by and large, I think you're right. We always help people who are in need. That's what Jesus thinks we should do. Where could you guys do that? Do you ever see anybody that needs help? Yeah. Maybe on the highway if someone um, is like veered off the road. Like, Sometimes. That can be dangerous though. Yeah. yeah. That's my dad helping somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where else do we see people that need help? You ever see anybody that needs help in school? Mm hmm. Could you help them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework. One more time. Look at my nose. I want you to think of someone who needs help. And then I want you to help them. My dad? Yep. Excellent example. I want you to think of someone who needs help. I want you to help them. Can you do that? Mm -hmm. Sounds good. It's going to be hard. I think, you, I think you can. This is not too difficult for us. Shall we pray? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being our helper. And we ask that you might help us help other people. No matter what, give us strength and give us love to do these things. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. As usual, we have some snacks. Good to see you guys. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last week, we had a very tough sermon, I would say. We had a sermon that was challenging, at least I hope it was. We had a sermon that called us to account for who we are as Christians and what we should be doing in the world. We looked at uh, what at that point was three weeks ago, now four weeks ago, was a shooting in a nightclub in Orlando. We looked at the ways that in our culture, in our society right now, we have a tendency not to act very well towards one another. And I asked you, just like the 70 that were sent out last week from Jesus and then came back rejoicing, I asked you what your work is in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we have it right on the tip of our tongue, right in the forefront of our brain, and sometimes... We struggle to figure out what exactly we are doing for the kingdom of God and, and all that. The challenge is not to consider whether we want to be a part of it, but how we are. 
who are we and what are we doing as Christians? This past week, I almost said, everybody look at my nose. I almost said it. (laughs) This past week, Just trying to get over that. Okay, here we go. This past week, it was my intent on Monday to emphasize the grace of our journeys, to emphasize who we are as Christians, which is beloved, which is called. That in this work and in this struggle, we are a people who ultimately will be loved in light of and in spite of our failures. But as the week went on, I saw more shooting, and I saw more death, and I'm sure you did too. More shooting of people of color, more shooting of police officers, more death where there really shouldn't be any. And at first my reaction was, I'm sorry, but, the, but I just... <laughs> I just gave a sermon with the congregation that that was too harsh, almost. That really challenged us, almost. And then the thought occurred to me that if the hardest thing we do on a regular basis is hear a tough sermon, we indeed have marks of privilege in our lives. If the hardest thing that happens is you come to church twice in a row and the sermon challenges you, or at least challenges what's going on and addresses serious and honest questions, then there are indeed marks of privilege in our life. And yet, I want hope. And I want good news. I was speaking with a friend and colleague uh, this past week, and uh, as the week rolled on, we asked each other, well, uh, how's your sermon looking? You know? Anytime something happens like this, pastors get together and ask each other, okay, what do we do now? You know? And this friend, uh, Dan Eisenberg, he broke open the story in a way that I'm sure most of you have heard before. But I think it applies to now. It's the movement that Jesus does in the text. A very good, God-fearing Jew comes before Jesus and asks him a legal question. At least legal by the covenant. What do I do to inherit eternal life? He asks, Jesus asks him, what do you read? What do you see? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He sums up the two greatest laws, the two core laws in all of Scripture. Jesus says, yes, do this. You'll live. But then the man asks, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on not to answer his question. Because Jesus never does answer the question of who is my neighbor. Instead, he answers the question, how do I be a neighbor? The question of who is my neighbor is seeking to limit the scope of our responsibility. Who is my neighbor supposes that someone is not. And we know this. This is a very familiar text, right? But here today, 
I want to focus on what Jesus does. Not who is my neighbor, but how to be a neighbor. How to be a neighbor. It seems so simplistic, doesn't it? I wish I were the Samaritan. I wish I could see someone, no matter who they are, no matter what's going on, and stop and help. I'm busy. I don't have time in between all the things that I'm doing to stop and get involved in everything, and lives are complex. I don't even know if I do stop and get involved, if I hear of a need, how far it's going to suck me in. You know? <clears throat> because sometimes you start off helping somebody, and, you know, things are going all right, and then they ask for more help because all of life's connected. And then they ask for more help and more help, and I, where does it stop? I wish I had the funds. I wish I had the time. I wish I had the heart to help whoever I saw, to be involved in the lives of whoever I saw, but I don't. Do I? The thing about the Good Samaritan story is that sometimes we make the Samaritan into a figure that we are just supposed to strive after. A figure for whom this type of life is not attainable, but maybe we should inch closer. That's not what Christ had in mind. When Christ answered the question, how do I be a neighbor? Christ was intending for us to actually do this. This means two things. One, we don't get to pick who or when or what or how we are a neighbor to someone. We don't get to pick the needs that we see in this world. We don't get to pick the people with whom we interact. At the end of the day, here's a quick way in our context to tell if you are indeed neighboring to people who you see. If your life is full of people who believe the same things you believe, who vote the same way you vote, who talk the same way you talk, who are of the same race or ethnicity or anything else, I can guarantee you, you're living in a bubble. Now that's hard to hear. But for anybody, if your life is full of people just like you, you're living in a bubble. The Levites had communities that were just like them. The priests had communities that were just like them. And the Samaritans had communities that were just like them. But only one of those people experienced the life of a person different from who they are. This is what it means to be a neighbor. It also means something in the second part. We don't get to pick who neighbors to us. I'm sure the person lying in the ditch, if he had his druthers, would have preferred a Jew to stop and help him. Jews and Samaritans, it wasn't just like they didn't like each other's football teams. They really didn't like each other. But you don't get to pick who steps out and helps. 
the beginning of the sermon, I said I wanted hope. And I still do. I want hope that at some point we're not going to kill each other in the way that we are now. I want hope that at some point we don't have to preach this sermon as forcefully as we do now. I want hope that at some point I might see the kingdom of God as God sees it and not just in my death. In the first reading today in Deuteronomy, this text takes place after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Picture it in your mind. Moses is standing right before they about reach the beginning of the promised land. People across the wilderness, or people across the wilderness scattered in front of him have been wandering for 40 years and most of the people who will now enter the promised land were not there. We're not there. We're not in positions to even be practicing Jews at the time when they first saw it. This is a whole new people, a whole new generation, a whole new contingent. And as Moses talks to them, he recounts all of the law that, Moses, uh, that God gave on Sinai. He recounts all of the law of what it means to be good and faithful Jews. All of the law from the Ten Commandments to the Temple Code to the Priest Code to Sacrificial Code. All of it. And then at last, right before they set off on the right foot, right before they take that first step, he recalls that this law, this command is not something that's impossible. This law, this command is not something that you're supposed to put up in heaven and say, someone go get it. This law is not impossible for you to do says Moses. Now we know that we fall short. But I think in this Deuteronomy passage we have a little bit of grace for us. That at some point God understood this to be possible for us to neighbor. For us to be neighbors. I think that this is just like the worship of God. <laughs> this is the worship of God. That if we fail, the very rocks will cry out, but I don't think we will. I think that if we try, by the grace of God, we will succeed. I think that if we act, by the grace of God, change will happen. I think that if we talk, if we speak, if we begin interacting with people unlike ourselves, that peace might actually come. I don't know for sure, but I believe it to be so. We'll never know until we try. We'll never know what the kingdom come and God's will be done looks like until we try, until we act. When we fail, there is grace. Before we fail, there is grace. But there's also responsibility. Go from this service having both. The grace of God which surpasses all understanding 
the grace of God which supplies us with more than we can ask or even imagine, as well as responsibility for your neighbors, for your community, and hope. May we kill less and live more. Amen.